You are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. And just as a warning, these films might be in theaters now, or they may be from 10, 20, 30 years ago. But regardless, there's a strong possibility that I will be revealing spoilers. I might give away the plot or the ending in this review, so just be warned. This episode, we will be discussing Fargo. The film Fargo from 1996, directed by Joel Cohen and also co-directed, as it turns out, from his brother Ethan Cohen. They also wrote it together. It stars Francis McDormand, William H. Macy, Steve Buscemi, and Peter Stormare. And the genre, I would say, is probably crime drama. To start things off, this film just turned 25. Happy 25th anniversary to a film that should not work as well as it does. Those upper Midwest accents, I remember I found it distracting when I first saw this. So where are you girls from? Chaska, Lesueur. But I went to high school in White Bear Lake. Go Bears. But like with the best Coen Brothers films, this film grows on you. Much of it is because of the performance of Frances McDormand. Her chief, Marge Gunderson, doesn't even appear until 30 minutes into a movie that only runs about 96 minutes. But she brings such warmth, humanity, and intelligence to this story that it just brings it all together. Because just about every other major character is not only being ruthless, but being extremely reckless in this movie. I guess you think you're, uh, you know, like an authority figure? That stupid fucking uniform, huh, buddy? King clip on tie there, big fucking man, huh? You know, these are the limits of your life, man. Rule of your little fucking gate here, here. There's your $4, you pathetic piece of shit. The violence in this film is not only portrayed as random, but it's more brutal than I remember it, actually. And yeah, upon release, the Coen brothers initially had everyone buying that this was based on true events. And though that all turned out to be a ruse, everything that occurs rings very true. William H. Macy's Jerry Lundegaard is the kind of put-upon suburban sad sack who everyone has known at some point. He plays him as the seemingly nice, dopey dad you want to feel sorry for, but you really can't, because underneath his veneer of unassuming, quote, niceness, there's also an unwillingness to act like an adult. An adult who can step back and hold himself accountable for his own actions. He never done this before, but seeing as it's special circumstances and all, he says I can knock $100 off that true coat. In just a few short scenes with his son, you see someone who is passive to the point of cruelty. He's got his only son upstairs completely freaked out about what's going on through the walls, if he's going to call Stan Grossman. And all Macy's Lundergaard can do is just sit there quietly taking off his boots with a look of frozen panic on his face. And he just then just tells his son, his son, who basically whose mother has probably died by this point and whose grandfather has just died as well, that he needs to go to bed. And a film with some brutal scenes of violence, including two innocent folks getting executed in a turned over car in the middle of a night, one character whipping another with his belt, and of course the famous wood chipper scene. It is this quiet acting moment from Macy that feels like the coldest act of cruelty. He is so good in this. It's probably Macy's best performance, although I would say the cooler is right up there. See, it's not me paying the ransom. The thing is, my wife 
She's wealthy. Her dad, he's real well off. Now, I'm in a bit of trouble. What kind of trouble are you in, Jerry? Well, that's, that's, I'm not gonna get into, into, see, I just need the money. And the two interview scenes with him and McDormand are pitch perfect. Watching her face start to change as she's realizing that this seemingly unassuming car salesman might be the key figure driving all of these homicides is just gratifying. The Coens portrayed as just matter-of-fact intuition. No music or close-ups to nail you over the head with it. You just see it on McDormand's face. And why would they need to when throughout the film we are seeing and hearing top-flight work from the director of photography Roger Deakins, the Deke, he's a master, and composer Carter Burwell. This film might be the Coens' best. It might be. It makes a strong offbeat crime trilogy with Blood Simple and No Country for Old Men. All three are very cynical films, but only one has Marge Gunderson as its protagonist. And now that takes us to the categories. The awards and categories we'll be going through each episode for each film. The first one is the best needle drop. What this basically means is that this is the best song cue or the best piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film. And that award has to go to composer Carter Burwell. Carter Burwell's score in that final climax, as the tension ratchets up and we fear for Marge, when she finds out that Gare, played by Peter Stormari, he's very big and scary in this movie, we see him stuffing that leg in the wood chipper. And we see her looking at him. And the score just takes over. And it's pretty much all we can hear as we see that she's holding her gun on him. And then he turns around and then the music gets louder. It's a great moment of suspense, and the music nails it. The next award, the next category, probably would be Wasted Talent. And this award goes to the most underutilized talent involved with the film. The the person, you know, a cinematographer, screenwriter, you name it, someone who is not really used to their full potential in this film. And there is a very strong, obvious candidate for this one. This might be controversial, but I would say the Wasted Talent Award goes to Steve Park. I'm sorry. It's, uh, you know, I shouldn't have done this. Steve Park is a very talented comedian, and he has one extremely awkward scene in the second half. And if you've seen this movie, you know it. You know the one that everyone remembers having nothing to do with the rest of the movie. He plays Mike Yanagita. He's a former classmate of Marge's who breaks down crying when he meets her for lunch in Minneapolis. Now, this scene has been discussed exhaustively for what it might represent, especially what we later find out about Mike later on. But honestly, it has never really worked for me. And it feels like a waste of Park's comedic chops to play just such a one-note character who seems to have no purpose. Oh, and then I saw you on the TV and uh, I remembered, you know, I always liked you. Well, I always liked you. I always liked you so much. The next category would be the trailer moment. This is the scene or the moment in the movie that best describes it. Whether you love the film, whether you hate the film, this is the moment you will show to somebody to demonstrate why. (laughs) And for me, that has to be the final sit down between Marge and Jerry at the car dealership. We watch as Marge finally corners him into revealing what she suspects. So he, in her words, he flees the interview. It's beautifully acted by both Macy and McDormand, and it shows how much can be revealed just through awkward looks and laughter. You have no call to get snippy with me. I'm just doing my job here. I'm... I'm not... uh, I'm not arguing here. I'm cooperating. And now the final award, the MVP, 
the person or people who are most responsible for the success of the film. And this is a no-brainer. Don't get me wrong. This is a great film directed and written by the Coen brothers. It might even be their best. But for me, the MVP has to be Frances McDormand. Frances McDormand won the first of now three. She just won another one. She won the first of her now three Best Actress Oscars for this one. And I think it remains one of her best performances, and it's an iconic one at that. Her Marge Gunderson is the beating heart of this oftentimes very cold, brutal film. And she remains one of the best female heroes in modern cinema, right up there with Ellen Ripley and Clarice Starling. And here you are. And it's a beautiful day. If I had to rate this film, I would rate it near perfect because it's a fantastic film. Five stars out of five. <laughs> Fargo is highly rewatchable and highly quotable. And if you want to catch it right now, it's streaming on Prime Video for free if you're a member. So check it out. Stay tuned and join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. Living for the Cinema.